0: It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. Now, this is something short and matter of fact. Do you remember the Ashley Madison scandal, for lack of better words? Now, don't tell me, Ashley, who? The website that brought married people together that wanted to cheat because they were sick and tired of living behind the broken walls of their own marriage. Well, I've got a couple questions for you. And yes, they might be personal, but so when has that ever stopped me before? When was the last time your husband kissed you in the way you've dreamed about for years? Hmm. When was the last time he looked at you with that look that says, You've got my attention. When was the last time your wife just sat on your lap because she could? And when was the last time she heard a hot song and decided to strip right there in front of you? Well, maybe it's been a really long time. And that's what brought forth this website, Ashley Madison. It's not even like Sugar Daddy, because they weren't trading sex for money. They were just trying to find outlets while they were still married. Nobody was looking to change any rhyme or reason of what went on in their home life. They were just trying to make themselves feel better. But to me, it wasn't really about, shh, be careful. It's that we all secretly want more than we have. Or at least the majority of us. If you as a man will open your hand a little bit more so that she can peek out from beneath your closed fist, there'll never be a need for Ashley Madison again. The things she'll do... <laughs> will amaze you. You'll never have to look for the greener grass because she's going to be laying in it, and chances are she'll be wearing nothing but a suggestion of what you should be taking off. It's easy if you just let each other be a part of your own secret fantasy worlds. You married her because she turned you on, you married him because he could take care of you. Now, let her take care of you in her way. And if she's allowed to spread those fantasy wings, you'll be the one that she feels is hot. There's nothing hotter to a woman than knowing she's the source of what turns you on. A cold, indifferent man makes a woman reach for something like Ashley Madison and the chance to finally have what her mom never told her she deserved. A doormat of a woman that goes through the motions steers a man towards the Ashley Madison door. He doesn't want to miss out on the woman his daddy secretly told him to marry, the woman who acts like a lady in public but is a whore in bed. We're all grown up now. It's time to be that hot guy who's married to the whore. His whore. A sugar mom recognizes the fact that it's time to live her life In a less ordinary way, she'll do anything to undo the mundane, expected life she's been a part of for years. No, she'll never hurt anyone. But she's willing to take risks that she hasn't taken in a long time, if ever before. It's her time. The so-called Ashley Madisons of the world can be a thing of the past. Let the sugar mom be. I have a feeling you'll be pleasantly surprised. (laughs) Now, don't move because I still have one other thing I want to talk to you about, and it's about being able to see signs that a relationship is over. You're hanging with Sugar Mom. How do you know when it's the right time to have an affair? And I use that term very broadly. I'm not suggesting it's ever the right time to have an affair. That's not the point. What I'm trying to show you is there are signs that you should look for within your relationship that lend you to believe something's wrong. And those things that are wrong have to be fixed. Those are the things we're going to discuss or look at. Because if you can fix the wrong, you can make everything so right. But if nobody tries to fix it, and nobody makes it right, then what are you doing? What is your partner doing? Sitting around waiting, hoping for a miracle? sitting and thinking that someone will be the bigger person and put their hand up in the air and say, Hey, I get it. I know what to do. That's not going to happen unless the two of you discuss the problem. So, again, I'm not saying having an affair is the right thing to do unless you tell the other person, and they're fully aware that they have not tried to make the fix, then I kind of think it's okay. What's left? Time? I'm telling you, you don't want to spend another 15, 20, 25 years making the same mistakes over and over again with the same person. This has nothing to do with religion. I don't care why you got married in the first place. Whatever vows you took, I hate to be the one to say it, but they just don't add up. They don't make sense. Till death do us part? What? Are you telling me that it's the right thing to do to live the rest of your life miserably until one of you should die because one of you doesn't want to make the fix? The proper fix? No, that is barbaric. So what I want to talk to you about are the visible signs of when you need to make that change or make that fix or correct the situation. Things that are so easy to see. And then we'll get into the parts that you really can't see unless you're really an introspective, deep-thinking kind of person. Firstly, are you still sleeping in the same bed? If you are, you stand a chance. If you sleep with pillows between you because, oh, my hips hurt or, oh, my back hurts, I need a pillow, I need this, I need to hold on to something What about holding on to each other? I'm going to share a secret, something that happened to me, and I'm sure that my former partner will be really pissed off that I said this, but it's for the greater good. So the one thing that happened in our marriage that was totally devastating in the big scheme was we had so many children and we used so many excuses, but we decided not to sleep in the same bed anymore. I said, I'm up nursing every half hour. He's snoring. I need a good night's sleep or what kind of a mom will I be the next day? He said, I need a good night's sleep, period. She's up feeding these babies every 45 minutes. She's tossing and turning. She hits me when I'm snoring. So think about it. If you listen to both sides, we both make sense. But what we forgot was the nucleus of a relationship is the husband and the wife or the two partners not the offspring, not the children. They are secondary. Any good relationship revolves around that strong center. We let that go. We let it slide. As a result, the relationship fell apart. We tried to fix it. And I'm telling you, we went to a therapist and the first thing she told us to do was to find the most difficult thing within our relationship to work on. And after talking with her, both of us together, it was determined that neither one of us wanted to sleep with the other. It was very convenient to go our own ways, sleep in separate rooms, take care of the children, take care of ourselves, not take care of us together. The therapist said, if you would like to continue with me, the first thing you need to do is sleep together again. He looked at me. I looked at him. I thought we were both just going to fall on the floor. What could be worse is what I saw in that bubble above his head. No kidding. I was almost telepathic. Because I was thinking the same thing. But that's the first sign of you knowing that something has to be fixed. If you're not sleeping together, that's the first fix. Do it. Just see if you can withstand each other for a night. Do you kiss each other? I mean, like you used to? If not, that's another sign. Something is amiss. You've got to make that change. Even if it means that one of you has to grab the other by the throat and say, Hey, remember this? And just lightly kiss that person. Slowly, until they remember. They'll reciprocate if they really want to fix it. Oh, and I hate to keep using the word fix, but I don't know what a better word is. Amend? Change? Recreate? These are signs. If those two things are out of whack, you either need to talk to each other, make it right, or go find somebody else. It's really okay to be with somebody else. (sighs) If you've given your all to make the initial relationship work, or if the other half of your relationship says, forget it, I have no desire to make it work, you then have the right. If you still have the will, to live without that will to me is a passionless life. Who needs it? I could never imagine living like that. Never. Okay, so that's two things that you have to be on the lookout for. The third is, when you are out together, if you still go out together, are you embarrassed by each other's mannerisms? Do you look for the nearest lady's room so you can excuse yourself while he is making a fool of himself? In your mind, of course. Do you look for the nearest bar where you can share a beer with a guy that you don't even know because your wife is busy ranting and raving about things that just don't matter to you? These are all symptomatic of a relationship with problems. How about the kids come first? Listen, I have five children. I've learned And I'm trying to just pass this on to you. Yes, we love our children. We live to love and take care of our children. But they cannot come before our partner. If that partner is the father or mother of those children, that person must come first. We need to be the nucleus of any relationship. The children should revolve around the nucleus. And we can reach out, grab, pull in, twist, change, turn, amend, nurture those children into being wonderful, full-blown adults. As long as we stay tight, closely knit with our partner. I know it's easier said than done. Believe me, I'm like the pot calling the kettle black. I get it. But I'm speaking from experience. And no, I mean, my relationship did not work out the way I am trying to explain to you. Because maybe I saw it all too late. Maybe I was too far gone. Maybe I didn't have anybody to show this to me or talk to me about this. Maybe the therapist only picked on the one major thing, but didn't follow through. Maybe my husband and myself just decided it's just not worth it. It's too much effort. And maybe you're in the same place. All I'm trying to tell you or suggest is if you really, really want to make it work before you step out and look and let yourself become involved with somebody else, talk to each other. Look in each other's eyes. You know each other better than anybody else in the world. You may not even have to even open up your mouths with one look. You can see if the other person wants to make it work. If they look away or offer resistance, go. Tell them. I'm not in this alone. I need help. Without you, I can't do it on my own. So those are a few signs that I feel are Pre-affair. How about you are so starving for affection that you just want to grab somebody by the hair and have them look at you and tell you, you just want to know, am I still appealing? Do I still look pretty to you? Am I still the type of woman that you might want to just throw down on the table and take? Or have I lost all of that? And if I have, can you show me how to get it back? Wow. Imagine asking somebody that question. And finally, can you please just kiss me and let me see for myself, if I feel something, I just want to feel something again. When was the last time you felt that passion? Wow, passion is not a dirty word. Passion is something we should be living for daily. Whether it's work, whether it's kids, husband, wife, It doesn't matter if you don't have something to look forward to on a daily basis. What is there in life? Living vicariously through somebody else? No. Stop it. Just stop it. Make your life the life it should be. Without your children, with your children, without your husband, without your wife, it doesn't matter. It's your life all of these signs that I've just pointed out to you that have shown you that you might be missing a step. But you can see where that step has gone and how you might be able to get back in line. You have a decision to make. Do I want to fix this with my current partner? Or do I want to shut down and just take some time for myself And walk away from all of this nonsense. And leave myself open to meet somebody new. That might appreciate me for who I am. Or bring out the hidden pieces of me that used to be so prevalent. Just things to reconsider. There's nothing here that I've said tonight. That will kill you, kill anybody else, ruin someone's life. Children are more resilient than you or me. (laughs) And that's a fact. They know how to bounce back. Your husband, your wife, they have a choice. They can either make it work or turn a blind eye which leaves you then with a choice. If they're willing to work at it, then so should you be, unless you're completely done, which is the finale to this podcast. If the words come out of your mouth, I'm done, then so be it. You're done. Don't make anybody work any harder than they need to work. Be done. Be gone. Explain to your loved ones, you need more for you. And the people that are around you right now can't fulfill that passion. Be honest. Just be honest with yourself and the people you love. They will not hate you. This is a different generation than our parents. They won't. They won't banish you from the family. They won't stop loving you. In fact, they might envy you enough to have been that honest in the first place. You need to trust your gut instincts. Don't do what's right for everybody else all the time. Do what's right for you. Try to do it the right way. And if it doesn't work, don't be afraid to call it quits. But recognize those signs. Don't push them aside and don't hide from them. They are right there in front of your face. (sighs) I guarantee you, your closest friends and relatives are going through the same thing. But everybody's afraid to talk about it. Just be honest. Honesty really moves you way up the line in the horse race of life. (laughs) And I know that one of the things that is the scariest of all is not knowing what's on the other side. But who cares? If you want to spend the next 20 years the way you are right now, Fine, stay there. Don't do anything. Sit. But what could be scarier than doing that if you're miserable and unhappy? I'd much rather take that dark horse, which is the unknown, and wind up on my own, living in an apartment, relearning myself, and reappreciating who I am. For a year, two years, maybe the rest of my life. It might just be the difference between you and me. But all I'm trying to do is offer you options and common sense, logic, mixed in with a little bit of emotion. I hope from the bottom of my heart I have not offended you. I'm only trying to keep everything real. Thank you so much for listening. Nobody is perfect. No one. No matter how hard you try, I promise you'll never be perfect. And sometimes we all need permission to go and try something new. So I'm that little voice in your head that's saying, I give you permission. It's okay. Go. Try. Talk. Make it work. Or not. And in the meantime, I want to talk to you about how marriage can kill you. Stay put. You can't make this shit up. I'm Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. I'm going to tell you something that might scare you. On the other hand, it might be something you're already well aware of. But there are five ways that your marriage could kill you. As a woman, in particular. It might sound ridiculous, but if you are in a great marriage, you have a greater chance of living longer, having less stress in your life, and the best part, stronger bones. I haven't the vaguest idea what that has to do with anything. Do husbands give off calcium? But the bottom line is if you're in a bad marriage, here are five things that can kill you. Now, we we all know that marriages have their ups and downs and bickering back and forth. But I'm talking about like a really bad walking on eggshells kind of marriage. Have you been there The first one is lack of communication, and that is just so typical in a faulty relationship. Not talking through your issues can cause everything from headaches to anxiety attacks, stress, even depression. Women more than men tend to self-medicate just to get through the day and the night. They'll use alcohol. They'll take pills And eventually this can turn into a long-term habit which can be physically very dangerous to them because it's the only way they're able to cope with their stress. Frequent fighting. Think about that. Not the little fights, the big blowouts. They can increase your risk for heart problems. Now, I'm not just making this stuff up. This is coming from studies that I'm reading in journals, such as the Journal of the American Medical Association. These are real issues. They've found that out of 300 women that were in marriages that had tremendous blowouts, more often than not, these women were hospitalized for severe chest pains or heart attacks, and it was all dependent upon the level of stress in the marriage women were nearly three times as likely to suffer another heart attack or to require a bypass if they went back into that relationship. And another downside to bickering, you can develop high blood sugar, cholesterol, and that too increases the risk of heart disease or stroke, or even worse, type 2 diabetes. All from your husband! Again, I'm talking about bad marriages, not the good marriages. I know there are two such things, even though the percentages rate higher for divorce-like marriages. Three, we forget to take care of ourselves. We're always putting the other person first. Maybe it's a nurturing kind of thing that we do because of our children. Maybe we don't even have children and we just know it. We've learned it from our moms and we do it for our husbands. So we take care of them more than we should because we don't leave any time for ourselves. Again, we can become hostile. We can become anxious. Why isn't anybody taking care of us the way we're taking care of them? Fourth is a really big one, and it's sleep deprivation. I suffered terribly with that. I don't know if you have a husband that snores. But it's not an easy way to live because I knew myself, if I didn't get enough sleep, I was a bitch the next day to anybody that crossed my path, including one, two, three, four, five children and two dogs and rabbits. So, you know, you got a husband that snores or he hogs the covers and you can't get him to turn over. We tend to either medicate ourselves again or again, we suffer from depression or anxiety And have a risk of even higher mortality rates just from not sleeping. It's like you want to get him a muzzle. And the next morning, he'll accuse you of snoring. It's like you want to just kill him by the time the day is beginning. And you notice I'm exhausted already from this conversation. And the fifth is eating too much. Depression can certainly bring that on. A bad marriage can raise the risk of a woman becoming overweight by 4%, as opposed to the friends that she has that aren't married. But you know, gaining weight in a bad marriage isn't just reserved for women, the men suffer too. They face an even higher risk, which is like 6%. And the bottom line is if your partner eats poorly, a lot of times so do you. So, my answer to this entire Dilemma is, once again, you got to talk to each other. Don't go to bed angry. Find the answer. Find the cure. Whether it's short-term, long-term, whether you go seek counseling help, or you can do it yourselves. The more you fight, the more you argue, the worse it is for you and your health. Your children suffer. They become anxious. They become bullies. You got to fix the problem. Or get out. You have 20 more years to live happily. I feel like I keep repeating myself. But I figure the more I say it, at least it'll stick inside one person's head. This time I'm not talking about emotional dilemma. I'm talking about the fact that you could die from living within a bad marriage. Physically die. Or hurt somebody around you. Just don't deny. Don't live in denial. And this bullshit about waiting until the kids are out of school is exactly what I just said it is. It's bullshit. Our moms did it, and they were miserable. Our kids are a different generation. They are old enough to understand. They have lots and lots of friends that come from divorced homes, and they are perfectly fine. In fact, they're probably more fine than their parents. It's just all in how you handle things. The approach. If there is a fix, for God's sake, do it. If there isn't, for goodness sake, clean house. For all of your sakes. I feel like I live in such a mixed up world sometimes. I listen to my daughters talk about how they want to get married and you know, the perfect man and they can't wait for this to happen in the wedding dress. and, And I smile and I think to myself, oh my goodness, what do I say to them? I don't want to burst their bubble. I don't want to ruin their dream. So I let them continue and I say to them, if at any time after you find that perfect marriage and that perfect situation and you are happy with the white picket fence, if at any time that husband does something that really is abusive, you call your mom. <laughs> I'll come get you. Okay, let's just make a deal because you don't stay in an abusive relationship. I don't care if you have a one-year-old, a 10-year-old, or a no-year-old. You, my daughters, are to be appreciated and live a happy, wonderfully calm exciting, well-taken-care-of kind of life. Because you deserve it. Every woman deserves it. So does every man. So if the combination doesn't work, walk away. Stay friends. You'll find that you're better friends when you're apart than you were while you were married. And that's always good for the kids, too. Knowing that mom and dad get along is a coup. After a divorce, you know, when I talk to you, I'm not telling you what to do. I might sound like I'm a bit pushy, (laughs) but I am. (laughs) But that's not meaning that you have to do everything I say. I'm making suggestions. I'm merely stating you have options in your life. Don't just sit there and wonder what happened to me. How did I let this happen to me? Just do something to fix it. One little teeny thing a day is all you need to do. And you'll feel better about yourself. And little teeny things add up to like a block. And then three blocks. And before you know it, you've walked a mile. It's good. It's all good. You make the attempt, you're a winner. Talk with you soon. I'm Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. The Westwood One Podcast Production.